Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Good morning. On the ground, Vladimir Putin sending troops into eastern Ukraine, heightening fears of a full-blown invasion at any moment. The U.S. calling it a clear and unprovoked attack during an emergency meeting of the U.N. Security Council overnight. In this moment, no one can stand on the sidelines. The White House already imposing sanctions, vowing more to come. But will that be enough, and is there any chance of a diplomatic way out of this crisis? Straight ahead, complete coverage from Washington, Moscow, and the front lines. Going up, the situation overseas and record inflation combining to send gas prices soaring to an eight-year high. Home heating prices skyrocketing as well. This morning, the pain being felt by millions of Americans, and if there will be relief anytime soon. One-two punch, a pair of powerful storms taking aim at tens of millions from one coast to the other. Snow, flooding, severe weather, and frigid temperatures all on tap. Al's got your full forecast. Breaking news, equal pay, the World Cup winning U.S. women's team reaching an historic agreement with U.S. soccer ending a years-long discrimination battle. Players set to receive tens of million dollars in back pay and equal wages moving forward. We'll talk about the deal and what could be a game changer for all female athletes. Those stories plus new concerns for the queen. Overnight, the royal suddenly canceling all of her engagements today as she recovers from COVID, the latest in a live report from Buckingham Palace. And unbearable, the furry 500-pound suspect wanted for an alarming string of home break-ins inside the race to stop Hank the Tank from terrorizing an entire California community. Today, Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cuppy. From Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today. It is a Tuesday morning. We're so happy that you're joining us nice today. Nice to have you with us. And we've got a lot of fast mm -hmm. developments in the Ukraine crisis to get to. Russian President Vladimir Putin now deploying troops into eastern Ukraine across two so-called breakaway regions already backed by Moscow. And Russia already had a military presence there. Well, the move quickly drawing condemnation overnight during an emergency meeting of the U.N., the U.S. and its European allies, saying it marks a dramatic Provocation. In the meantime, the tension and volatility is being felt here at home in the form of rising gas prices and heating bills. And depending on what happens next, Americans could see both climb even higher. We have every angle covered for you from Russia to the White House to Ukraine. And that's where we'll start with NBC's chief foreign correspondent, Richard Angle. Hey, Richard, good morning. Good morning. The Ukrainian government is absolutely furious and is considering breaking off relations with Russia. But here and in many Ukrainian cities on a practical level, very little has changed since Russia already controlled these separatist areas. So there's not panic on the streets. People are still out. But many are wondering, is this just the first move by Russia ahead of a larger invasion? 
Russian President Vladimir Putin recognized two new countries overnight, both pieces of Ukraine, and ordered in Russian tanks and troops to back them up. Shortly afterwards, these unmarked military vehicles were spotted near Donetsk. Yesterday, in a highly choreographed display, first holding a command attendance meeting of his National Security Council, and then speaking for an hour to the Russian people from his desk, Putin carved up Ukraine, which he described as a long-lost piece of Russia. Let me emphasize once again that Ukraine for us is not just a neighboring country. It is an integral part of our own history, culture and spiritual space, he said. These are our comrades and relatives. Putin officially recognized the independence of two breakaway Ukrainian republics, Donetsk and Luhansk, claiming to be saving their pro-Russian populations from a genocide by the Ukrainian government. A genocide that isn't happening. Some of the separatists greeted Putin with cheers as he ordered Russian peacekeepers to shore up their territory and practically dared the Ukrainian government to do something about it. We demand for those who took over and remain in power in Kiev to immediately stop combat activity, he said. Otherwise, the responsibility for continuing the bloodshed will lay on the shoulders of the Ukrainian regime. The White House fears recognizing the Ukrainian separatists may be the opening move in a wider Russian war, calling it an invasion and convening an 11th hour meeting last night of the UN Security Council. Ukraine's President Zelensky denounced Putin's move as a violation of Ukraine's sovereignty and called on the country's supporters to sanction Russia now. Russia already had troops in Donetsk and Luhansk, home to roughly two million Russian speakers, including hundreds of thousands of Russian citizens. Russia helped the territories break away from Ukraine after a democratic revolution overthrew the country's pro-Russian president in 2014. Putin last night described that revolution as an American-sponsored coup, which eight years later still clearly fills him with resentment. Why was it necessary to make an enemy out of us, Putin asked. They didn't want such a large, independent country as Russia. In this lies the answer to all questions, he said. The Ukrainian military says that in the last 24 hours, Russia has moved in over 100 pieces of military equipment. The military is calling on Ukraine's supporters to help this country before more pieces are potentially lost. Hold on. Right. Richard Engel for us there in Ukraine. Richard, thank you. And to address the ongoing crisis, the U.N. Security Council held a rare overnight emergency meeting condemning Russia's latest moves. The U.S. ambassador vowing to impose more sanctions. NBC's chief White House correspondent Kristen Walker has that part of the story. Kristen, good morning. Savannah, good morning. We have breaking news to tell you about. The Biden White House is now sharpening its tone and calling what is happening on the ground an invasion. That is a shift because overnight officials here declined to define Russia's actions that way. The president is expected to impose new sanctions today, but Mr. Biden is under pressure with Republicans and even some Democrats calling on him to get tougher with Putin right now. Overnight, an urgent meeting between the U.S., Ukraine, and allies at the U.N. Security Council after Vladimir Putin ordered what he's calling peacekeeping forces into two regions of eastern Ukraine. The U.S. and other countries condemning the move, accusing Russia of violating international laws. This move by President Putin 
is clearly the basis for Russia's attempt to create a pretext for a further invasion of Ukraine. The Ukrainian ambassador delivering a stern warning. Dear members of the Security Council, the United Nations is sick. That's a matter of fact. It's been hit by the virus spread by the Kremlin. On Monday, the White House scrambling to respond. After meeting with his national security team, President Biden signing an executive order imposing limited sanctions on the Russian separatist regions of Ukraine with more possible today. The administration warning these initial rounds are separate from larger, more punishing sanctions Washington has prepared should Putin invade. Still, Republicans and even some Democrats are calling on the president to get tougher. Close ally of President Biden, Delaware Senator Chris Coons said, quote, the time for taking action to impose significant costs on President Putin and the Kremlin starts now. What are we waiting on? We need to tell Vladimir Putin exactly what we're going to do if we want to have any effect on his calculus whatsoever. For weeks, the Biden administration has taken a hard line. President Biden has spoken to the fact that if a Russian tank or a Russian troop moves across the border, mm -hmm. that's an invasion. After initially declining to say whether Russia's actions amounted to an invasion, this morning White House officials say, based on what they saw on the ground overnight, what is underway is an invasion. Invasion is an invasion and, and that is what is underway. Now, again, this is the first time the administration is using the term invasion, so it is a significant shift in language that will come with new sanctions. The administration has not yet said how robust today's sanctions will be. Meanwhile, the president had agreed in principle to a summit with President Putin, but only if Russia does not invade. This morning, the prospects seemed dim. Savannah? Much dispute about what constitutes an invasion in this context, Kristen. Thank you very much. Let's move now to the mood in Moscow in the wake of Vladimir Putin's order to send troops into eastern Ukraine. Today, senior international correspondent Kier Simmons is there for us. Hey, Kier, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. Here in Moscow, the Russian parliament, the Duma, just voted in favor of President Putin's decision to recognize those separatists of eastern Ukraine. Hoda, every single Russian lawmaker voted in favor. And after the vote, there was a standing ovation. One lawmaker said President Putin has stopped a war. But Hoda, President Putin's speech last night sounded more like a declaration of war, ripping up a peace deal from 2015. And here's the crucial question this morning. Those separatists in eastern Ukraine, they are saying that Russia has recognized a wider region than they currently hold. They say Russia has recognized ground currently held by Ukrainian uh, military. If they try and push into that ground, will that spark a wider war? This morning, the Kremlin is not uh, clarifying that. Hoda, this morning, uh, this last night, Russians we spoke to, all of them, were in favor of peace. One even said, my parents live in Ukraine. I don't want a conflict. And Western officials are telling us they do believe some elements of President Putin's security forces and military harbor very serious doubts about the potential for a conflict. But, you know, this morning, just to underscore President Putin's determination to crack down on any dissent, that opposition leader, Alexei Navalny, appeared in court. Hoda, he is now back in prison. Mm. Hoda.
All right, Kier Simmons in Moscow for us. Kier, thank you. Well, one impact of the Ukraine crisis is already being felt by Americans, even higher gas prices and home heating bills, and it could get worse. NBC's Tom Costello has been talking to experts about where the prices could be headed. He joins us now. Tom, good morning to you. Good morning. Yeah, in a word, it's up. We are already paying almost a dollar more than a year ago. As you mentioned, home heating prices also surging. First, it was inflation and now Russia. And we have breaking news this morning. Germany just now announcing it will not certify that new gas pipeline called Nord Stream 2 from Russia to Germany that will likely also drive prices even higher. If you pump gas or pay a heating bill, you're already on the economic front lines of the showdown in Ukraine. Home heating oil up 56% in a year. Gasoline now averaging 3.51 nationally, up from 2.63 a year ago. It's already expensive and now it's just like outrageous. I would spend maybe about 100 or so dollars per week, but now I'm going up to about 200 per week. While the strong economy and inflation sent prices soaring last year, it's the showdown in Ukraine that's helping to drive prices higher now. Russia is a member of OPEC and the world's third largest exporter of oil and gas. And in the oil markets, prices are set globally, not locally. The potential that war, international sanctions and counter sanctions could reduce global supply is a big reason why Americans are paying even more on Main Street. With 50 pizza stores and more than 1,000 employees in New England, Sal Lupoli says skyrocketing food costs and now fuel prices are taking a very big bite out of his margins. Every product that we use has gone up substantially. Not only is it the cost of food, Tom, and the cost of delivery of that food, but it's also the, the increase in the expense of us running our own vehicles. Those rising food and fuel prices have already forced him to raise prices an unprecedented four times over the past year. Now, oil and gas analysts say the Ukraine showdown could soon push those fuel prices to record-breaking levels. We're talking about $4 a gallon nationally. California could hit 5 Probably even beyond that, California could reach 550 and even could near that $6 gallon mark. Yeah, on Capitol Hill, by the way, a group of Democratic lawmakers wants to suspend the gas tax, the federal gas tax through this year. That would save Americans 18 cents a gallon. And those lawmakers also want protections to ensure that the Americans, the drivers, get that tax break, that it doesn't stick with corporate America with oil companies. Savannah? All right, we'll keep our eye on this one, Tom. Thank you. It is 14 minutes past the hour. Let's turn to the pandemic. Tom joins us. He's in for Craig this morning. Morning, Tom. Hey, guys. Good morning to you. This is sort of wild, but we're approaching the two-year mark of life with COVID. Some officials are declaring we've entered a new phase moving towards an endemic approach, but it's a source of major debate with some saying restrictions are being lifted too soon. NBC National correspondent Miguel Almaguer has more on that. Miguel, good morning. Hey, Tom, good morning. Nationwide mask mandates and restrictions are rolling back. Government officials and groups like the CDC continue to revise guidance that impacts virtually every American. And it has many wondering what this new normal will look like after nearly two years of restrictions, hoping to put the darkest days of the pandemic in the past. This morning, more of the country moving into a new phase of the pandemic. New infections are down 64% and a dramatic drop in hospitalizations has officials urging caution in a return to normalcy. You don't want to be reckless and throw everything aside, 
but you got to start inching towards that. California becoming the first state to officially shift to an endemic approach, but also warning the public be prepared for a return to mandates if cases spike. We are moving past the crisis phase into a phase where we will work to live with this virus. Across the continental U.S., mask mandates are gone or set to expire by the end of March. The Golden State, one of at least 13 still requiring masks in public schools, but that's expected to change. Even though we all got our shots and everything, just to be on the safe side. The CDC could roll back national masking guidance this week. It's unclear whether mandates will be extended to subways, trains, ride shares, and airplanes. After years of rough seas for the cruise industry, most of the major lines departing from U.S. ports are easing their mask mandates in the coming days. As Americans await updated guidance, the CDC is coming under new scrutiny. The New York Times says the agency isn't publishing large portions of data it's collecting, like the effectiveness of boosters for younger Americans and signs of the virus in wastewater. The agency telling the Times some raw data could be misinterpreted. An added concern this morning, a new Omicron subvariant BA2 detected in other parts of the world. As of now, the CDC is monitoring the spread to determine how contagious it is and how effective boosters are against it. It seems with the discovery, monitoring and response to the new variant will be part of this new normal that we're talking about. Tom. All right, BA2, we'll keep our eye on that. Miguel, thank you. Well, now let's talk about winter weather concerns. Yeah. Al, you got two cross-country storms. We've got everything but the the kitchen sink in here. We got severe weather. We got winter weather. Take a look. We've got basically two storms we're talking about. Today and tomorrow, it's this one storm coming in through the central Mississippi River Valley. Storm number two is out west. We're going to be watching that today through Friday. Now, winter weather alerts 28 million people from New England all the way to the west coast. We've got wind chill and freeze alerts for 16 million people from New England all the way to the west coast as well. And flash and flood alerts for 42 million people from Missouri and Arkansas all all the way into New England as well. Severe weather developing today. Wind gusts of up to 60 miles per hour. Tornadoes possible. Nashville, Memphis, Tupelo, up on into Louisville. And you can already see we've got severe weather firing up now. We've got a tornado watch from Little Rock to Paducah, Kentucky, just to the west of Nashville as these strong storms push to the east. This number one storm bringing ice storm warnings to north central Michigan. Severe weather and flood alerts down into the Tennessee River Valley. Then on Wednesday, this next storm comes out of the four corners. A significant risk for a wintry mix accumulating ice through the central plains. Thursday, additional rounds of rain plague the Mississippi River Valley. Snow and a wintry mix breaks out. Friday, here in the Northeast, depending on this track, we could be looking at mostly snow for New England. New York looking for an icy mix. We've got upwards of eight inches of snow in the UP of Michigan today. Snow heavy at times getting into New England and the Northeast on Friday. And we're we're looking for a significant ice accumulation from New York City Wednesday all the way down into Texas. And that's your latest weather. Roller coaster temperatures coming We're, up. Oh, that's our favorite. Up, Ride the train. Favorite ride. All right, Al, thank you. Still ahead, news breaking just this morning on a huge victory for the U.S. women's national soccer team in its fight for equal pay, the historic agreement that's now been reached after a years-long legal battle. And we'll talk about what it means with soccer stars Megan Rapino and Alex Moore. 
Morgan. Plus, after the commercials dominated the Super Bowl, a lot of people have interest and some questions about cryptocurrency. So, is it time to jump on board? Well, Vicky has everything you need to know. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is 222 22. Two, 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 two. Tuesday. They're calling it Tuesday. Tuesday. T-W-O. Tuesday. Super Tuesday. Our producer's genius. I know. It's like putting you all that together. Brilliant. All right, guys. Enjoy your Tuesday. We'll start the headlines here. Jury deliberations resumed this morning in the federal hate crimes trial of the three white men who killed Ahmaud Arbery. The jury adjourned without a verdict yesterday after roughly three hours of deliberating. All three defendants, Greg and Travis McMichael and William Roddy Bryan, were convicted in state court for killing the 25-year-old Arbery. They were sentenced to life in prison. Michigan basketball coach Juwan Howard has been suspended uh, the final five games of the regular season for hitting a Wisconsin assistant coach after Sunday's game. He was also fined $40,000. The Big Ten Conference also suspended three players for one game. Wisconsin coach Greg Gard was fined $10,000 for violating the conference sportsman uh, ship policy, but he was not suspended. Uh, we have some big news also on the horse racing front. Medina Spirit has been stripped of its Kentucky Derby title nine months after a failed post-race drug test. In addition, renowned trainer Bob Baffert will be suspended for 90 days from the sport beginning next month. Baffert's attorney says he plans to appeal. Mandaloon, who placed second at last year's Derby, was named the race's official winner now. Also this morning, we have some breaking news on a story we have followed closely mm -hmm. here. The U.S. women's soccer team and its battle for equal pay. Yeah, it's been a years-long fight. The athletes are celebrating a major victory. In a joint agreement, U.S. soccer has committed to provide an equal rate of pay going forward and a hefty price tag for the past. In a moment, we're going to talk about that deal with star players Megan Rapinoe and Alex Morgan and the president of U.S. soccer. But first, NBC's Emily Aketa has the details right here. Hi, Emily. Good morning. Good morning. What a journey this has been for them. After their gender discrimination lawsuit was largely dismissed in 2020, the team's forward vowed to never stop fighting for equality. And she's kept that promise. As today, the team is relishing a new kind of win with implications stretching far beyond their field. After years of unprecedented success on the global stage, this morning, a victory for the U.S. women's soccer team off the field. A gender pay gap has been at the crux of a long-running legal dispute between U.S. soccer and its players. Equal pay! Equal pay! Equal pay! 
Those demands now met with an historic agreement. According to the players, the Federation will pay $22 million to the athletes, plus another $2 million for post-career goals and charitable efforts, as long as the team's next contract is ratified. In a joint statement, U.S. Soccer and the players acknowledging getting to this day has not been easy. Back in 2016, five of the game's best players filed a wage discrimination complaint with the EEOC, catapulting the team as champions for equal pay rights. We continue to be told we should be grateful just to have the opportunity to play professional soccer and to get paid for doing it. Three years later, they raised the bar. 28 members of the women's soccer team alleging they were paid less than a third of their male counterparts in bonuses, writing, this is true even though their performance has been superior to that of the male players. We've filled stadiums, we've broken viewing records, and yet despite all of this, we're still paid less than our male counterparts. Their efforts splashed across social media campaigns, protests, and an HBO documentary. In a major blow to their pursuit for change, a federal judge tossed out the majority of the players' gender discrimination lawsuit in 2020, siding with U.S. Soccer, who said they were actually paid more in total compensation than their male counterparts. The athletes' lawyers appealing the decision, arguing the women significantly outperformed the men who have yet to win a World Cup. That appeal now suspended with today's agreement. The clash over compensation playing out across other sports as well, as soccer federations in more countries commit to equalizing pay. And I think we've really become a lightning rod and a voice for so many women around the country who deal with gender discrimination. And U.S. soccer and the players say they're dedicating this moment to women's soccer's leaders of the past and all the girls who will follow in their footsteps. The specifics around how the federation will provide an equal rate of pay will be finalized soon. That's according to the athletes, guys. Emily, thank you. And joining us now are two of the most recognized soccer stars in the U.S., Megan Rapinoe and Alex Morgan. They were part of the original group of women that started this conversation about equal pay. Also with us, Cindy Parlo-Cohn, president of the U.S. Soccer Federation. It's good to see you guys this morning. <sighs> Good morning. Good morning. Well, I mean, the fact that you're all sitting yeah. there together pretty much says it all. Megan, a settlement reached after all of this time, after all this litigation. How did it happen? How uh, do you feel about it this morning? <laughs> uh, it was a, a long process, um, as all the people on this uh, little TV screen know. Uh, you included. I feel like we've been here before with you. Um, I mean, in the end, I think it just... <laughs> It came together. Um, you know, for us as players, I'm just so proud um, of the way we stuck together and um, really just kind of put our foot down. Um, this is a huge win for us. Um, you know, as always, there's really no justice going backwards. Um, the only justice really now is ensuring that this never happens again, and this lawsuit is a massive step forward. Obviously, we, we already settled the equal working conditions plan mm -hmm. claims a while back, um, equal pay coming contingent on a new CBA, um, and the settling of the back pay damages. So for us, this is just a huge win in ensuring that um, you know, we not only right the wrongs of the past, but set the next generation up for something that we could only have dreamed of. Yeah, talk about the past for just one second. I want to repeat something, Alex. Th these numbers are incredible. The 2019 lawsuit alleges American female players were paid nearly $2 million in bonuses after winning the World Cup in 2015, whereas the men's team was awarded over $5 million despite being eliminated in the round of 16. I mean, that, when I hear those numbers, I think to myself, my gosh, this moment is so long worth it. 
Yeah, and I think uh, just seeing this lawsuit and the settlement, we've um, U.S. Soccer has agreed to equalize the the prize money moving forward. Obviously, we call on FIFA to um, truly equalize that um, for men's and women's tournaments, but. We are looking to work with the Men's Player Association and U.S. Soccer to have that equal moving forward. So it's really what we set out to do, equalize on all fronts, and we've been able to achieve that. And it's it's a really proud moment, I think, for all of us. And let me turn to you, Cindy. You represent U.S. Soccer in this conversation. And in point of fact, U.S. Soccer actually won the lawsuit in the lower court. It was about to go up on appeal. So what brought you to the table? Why do this settlement now? Yeah, I think for a lot of reasons. One, um, being in a contentious litigation with our players is not good for our sport. I think this is a momentous occasion. Um, this is a huge win for soccer. This is a huge win for U.S. soccer, the players, of women's sport. Um, and I'm just so excited to move forward together and actually start working with the women's team to grow the game both here at home and abroad. And just real quick before we go, um, Megan, let me ask you this. I feel like this is a door opening for all of women's sports. We just watched the U.S. women's hockey team play so beautifully it was the second most watched hockey game in the u.s since 2019 behind the stanley cup people are watching women's hockey too and pay needs to be equalized i guess across the board do you guys think you're opening the door for that I mean, I think the door's already been open, to be honest. You can look at um, the women's hockey team. It's, it seems like everywhere you look, here we are performing, um, you know, well beyond just the, the constraints of our sport. So I think we are really in the midst of an incredible turning point in women's sports. I think we're all going to look back on this moment with incredible pride. But if you're not paying attention to this right now and what's happening in women's sports, you've, you're sleeping on the whole thing. <laughs> well, Megan and Alex, uh, we have talked a lot yeah. uh, many times over the years. Yeah. Your legends uh, mm -hmm. on the on the field, but also off. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you as well. Congratulations on coming to this settlement. Mm -hmm. We appreciate it. Thank you. A long road for them. No kidding. But Finally. now I think they're all Finally sides coming to the table saying, let's go forward. It's let's just play soccer. That. Yeah, it's yeah. good to see that. All right, coming up next, guys, if you saw the Super Bowl, you couldn't miss the many ads for cryptocurrency. So what's behind that big push? And are we looking at the future of how we'll eventually pay for almost everything? Well, Vicki Wynn has some answers coming up right after this. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with Chris Pine to talk about a career that has taken him from Star Trek to Wonder Woman, and now the new film he wrote, directed, and stars in called Pool Man. You can get our conversation for free wherever you download your podcasts. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.
We are back, 743, in depth today and this morning. New questions mm. about cryptocurrency. So many people talking yeah. about this and asking questions. That's right. It made a big splash during the Super Bowl <laughs> with a number of high profile commercials. And now President Biden is expected to direct government agencies to actually examine the new digital assets and how to regulate them. So, what are they? What does it mean for you? And <laughs> <laughs> BC huh? Senior Consumer Investigative Correspondent has some answers. Vic, we were all kind of puzzled by those ads. I know, yeah. but it's a big thing. Do you remember yeah. the dot com boom back in yeah. 2001? everything was about the dot-coms. It sort of feels like that again with the mm -hmm. Super Bowl, right, in crypto. A lot of mega star power behind these ads for cryptocurrency, from LeBron James to Larry David. But should the average consumer jump into crypto? This morning, what you need to know. Trade, are you, are you sure? Not a trade trade, I'm trading crypto. During the Super Bowl of commercials, crypto. cryptocurrency was looking to score, with paid celebrities like Matt Damon and LeBron James hyping cryptocurrency as the next big thing. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. Three cryptocurrency platforms saw their app store downloads increase a combined 279% after the big game. I think it's gone beyond mainstream. Shark Tank investor Kevin O'Leary is a spokesperson for a cryptocurrency exchange. What exactly is it? A cryptocurrency is actually a piece of software, no different than your browser on your computer. Simply put, they're digital currencies that only exist on what's called a blockchain, a digital ledger that records all transactions. There are more than 17,000 different cryptocurrencies. Some you can use like money to purchase goods. Some people treat them more like stocks you buy and sell. Their values can fluctuate wildly. Richard Carthon was skeptical when he first heard about crypto in 2018. But four years after investing in it, he says he's erased his debt and even used his crypto windfall to buy an engagement ring. Now he's even started a podcast called Crypto Current. Being able to step into 2022, uh, about to get married and have being debt free is just an amazing feeling. While the payout can be big, just 14% of financial advisors invest in cryptocurrency or recommend it to clients, according to a 2021 survey. You have to be prepared for wild volatility. Experts say, know the risks. Do you think there's a danger here of people thinking they're going to get rich quickly? Absolutely. Absolutely. What are red flags people should look out for before investing? There is virtually no regulation uh, about any of these players or about the industry in general. You have to, I believe, look at it as uh, more or less speculation. President Biden is expected to order government agencies to examine how to regulate crypto. But in the meantime, if you plan to invest, experts say research the companies and start with a small investment. The slow, diversified approach really does tend to win. It just doesn't tend to make for real exciting headlines and real good Super Bowl commercials. Now, to be clear, both Kevin and Richard, who have done well investing in crypto, they also warned about the high risks involved. And you don't have the same consumer protections for crypto that exist for traditional investments. If you lose money because of fraud or scamming, you can certainly report it to the authorities or the Federal Trade Commission. But it is unlikely you'd be able to get that money back because payments with crypto are not reversible. So there's a lot here for people yeah. to research so they feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. But start small with First the small step. investments if yeah. you're interested. Okay. And your next segment is going to be on mattresses and if you <laughs> Your money under a mattress. <laughs> right. Can't do that yes. with crypto, right? Exactly. Cash. Thank you, Vicky. <laughs> Let's get another check of the weather from Al. All right. Well, we're waiting for spring, but until you can get to the amusement park, are you ready to ride the temperature roller coaster? Here we go. Okay, we're going to start down Austin. 84 degrees today. That's a way above average. Little Rock, 75. St. Louis, 62. 15 degrees above average. Indianapolis, 62. Columbus, 64. Detroit, 55. That's 18 degrees above average. Oh, here 
Here we go. Oh, everybody, keep your hands and arms inside the car. Columbus, 41 tomorrow. That's a 21-degree drop from yesterday, from today. St. Louis down 30 degrees. Look at Little Rock, a 31-degree drop in 24 hours. Dallas, 36-degree drop. They'll only be 37 degrees tomorrow. Austin, 53 degrees. My gosh. Well, here's what's happening, though. Look here in the east. We got a big dome of high pressure. That's pumping up record warmth. Out west, a big low pressure system. That's going to be bringing in a lot of cold. In fact, by Friday, we're expecting 16 cities with record highs all along the eastern seaboard into the Gulf Coast. But out west through Friday, 34 cities looking at temperatures that could record record lows. And that is your latest weather, guys. Thank Dad, you, can well. we ride again? Can we get on the other <laughs> We'll see if you're good. If you're good. Okay. All right, still ahead, the search for a wild suspect wanted for dozens of home invasions in California, a 500-pound black bear dubbed Hank the Tank. <laughs> and the question, what should be done about him? But first, these messages. Smarter than the average bear? Carson's here, and look who's out with our crowd. Gold medal winner Nathan Chen. Oh. Oh. After this. Oh.